Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast. With Matt and Tommy. Although I feel like I should have probably done my least infused, least energetic intro. I feel like it deserved what we're about to talk about, which was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, wasn't it, Tommy? That I feel like that kind of probably matches up how a lot of people are feeling right now. However, this podcast is all about bringing people back up and giving them something to look forward to and... Light at the end of the tunnel. We'll and try. I'm wearing Red Bull merch. Whoa! We'll try with some positivity. But yeah, that wasn't the best thing to wait a month for, was it? No. No, it wasn't. The whole weekend was a bit of a shambles, to be honest with you. Even though we had two Charlotte Claire polls, which I don't care about because I'm a Red Bull fan, but I have got a Red Bull, uh, a Red Bull or Charlotte Claire picture down in the bottom as well. <laughs> it's fine. I am a confused F1 fan. Now, before we get into the, the Grand Prix, talk about how terrible it was, how boring, etc., etc., we're going to share a five-star review. As I nearly caught my breath and then burped. Levy Long, this comes from, uh, in the UK, uh, if you want your five-star review to be read out, you have to first leave us a five-star review and then say what you love about the pod. And then, you know, we'll pick one to be featured next time. This one comes in from Levy Long. These two are the best presenters, hello, to deliver anything Formula One related. The enthusiasm, the banter and the chemistry between them cannot be matched. Amazing podcast, channel and content. F1 wouldn't be the same without them. Oh, oh that means a lot. That's really cute. That's a nice Thank sentence. You. That's actually made me genuinely smile after a terrible Azerbaijan Grand Prix. So that's, <laughs> that's great work from Levy Long. Thank you so much uh, for that review. Now, Tommy, let's let's start with your most memorable moment, because I'm sure everyone can probably guess what mine might be. Yes, my most memorable moment is the last lap, and not because it was <laughs> finally over. It was because of Esteban Ocon almost running down about... 30, 40 people in the pit lane coming in on the final lap, which he's entitled to do. It's the final lap of the race. And it was what was crazy to me is that it was the FIA, their own personnel that were out in the pit lane. They had got them onto the track. That wasn't, I, I assumed it was like guests and things like that. No, it was FIA personnel, photographers. Sorry, onto the. Uh, into the pit lane. <laughs> Very different vibe. Have like, I missed this? Uh, onto the, yeah, into the pit lane. And they were literally standing. They, they were putting a barrier over the pit entry line as Ocon's car is literally there coming in and terrifying. You know, he's coming in at an incredible speed. And um, yeah, unbelievable. Even 30... Uh, what would it be? 38 mile an hour, 60 kilometers an hour. Um, still quick. You know, if you're standing next to a car doing 40 miles an hour, you're going to know it's there. Very terrifying. And Ocon's on board is scary stuff. It certainly was. It, it woke us all up, I would say, didn't it? After uh, yeah. a very dull Grand Prix, uh, the final lap, and to be fair, your most memorable moment might also have been the final lap anyway, just for the fact it was over if this whole Ocon thing didn't happen. Um, but yeah, that was really bad from the FIA. Clearly a bit of miscommunication, someone letting someone through too early. I just find it completely and utterly baffling that it is so obvious that the race is still going on, that why have they been allowed in the pit lane? Yeah. Why is that happening? It, some people might argue, well, it was the last lap. They weren't to expect anyone to come in. It's a it's live pit lane. <laughs> someone could have a puncture come in. Any reason for them to come into the pit lane, just to retire the car. The car might have an issue. It has to remain a live pit lane with no randoms just walking around with their cameras. FIA accredited, so they're not random random, but they're still 
that they are meant to be at the circuit, but just not there at that particular time. So when you actually look at the Ocon on board, especially that last person diving out of the way who sees Ocon's car quite late, sketchy as anything. And then, of course, the FIA investigate the FIA. And you do wonder shambles what really goes on in these investigations of themselves whether someone who actually allowed that to happen will be reprimanded or sacked or i don't know because that that was a very very sketchy situation it the thing is as well you mentioned that anyone can come in the pit lane at the last minute it's not even that it's that anyone this i think this is what ted kravitz said in his like notebook at the end he was like anyone with a slight bit of formula one knowledge would have known that Ocon had to pit on that lap because they are the rules. He had to pit, otherwise he'd have been disqualified. So, and I actually listened to it back because normally on our watch-alongs, I'm like, have the TV a bit muted so we don't get <laughs> copyright strikes and stuff. Uh, and I listened to it back and you can hear Ted Kravitz watching this in front of his eyes, knowing it's all going to play out, knowing that Ocon's about to come steaming into the pit lane as all these people are running into the pit lane and, not not even to the side of the pit lane, in the actual pit lane uh, where the drivers come in, and he sounds extremely distressed and like he's about to you know witness a load of people get run over. It's it's appalling, and even worse is that Alex Albon did it on the last lap of the Australian Grand Prix last year, and the same thing happened. They're letting people into the pit lane. Just you either need. If if you're that desperate to get people on and they need to be there that quickly to be able to get everything you need, then you need to say you can't be on the last lap or something like that, uh, which I don't think is the solution. Yeah. The solution is, but but that's you know for for the sake of that, if that's the pit lane will always be live. desperate, but the solution is just don't let them on in the first place until the race has finished. How hard is it? You tell them, Tommy. You popping off, getting a bit red. You know, I, I like the way you're, you're really popping off there. It's, it's enjoyable. Um, I think to combat one point, which was around, ah, oh, you know, they should know that Ocon needs to pit. I think the people that obviously act, give the gate access and the people that are actually down on the track, i.e., the photographers and whatnot, wouldn't necessarily know one what's going on in the race or two that Ocon needs to come in or anything like that. So I think we have to assume that that knowledge isn't there from the people that are actually on the ground. But I think it's what the is the problem is whoever's yeah. given whoever's given the the order for them to get ready when the race is not over is where the big problem lies. Um, so yeah, a very very strange um, <laughs> unfolding of events because we would that could have happened and nothing would have happened because Ocon didn't have to come into the pits if he wasn't in the race. There may have been you know, none of this would have been highlighted and perhaps it would have happened at a later date uh, and something potentially catastrophic could have happened. But thankfully, everyone unscathed. Ocon was obviously very shocked as well, uh, driving um, through that. Um, question from Nissa Mater seventeen eighty two. Should there be a penalty for leaving a one-stopper until the last lap? No. no. It's the rule. You're allowed <laughs> to do it. If it's in the rules, if it's in the rules, you're, you can do it. There's no problem. Um, I, I, I thought that maybe you couldn't do that, or maybe uh, in, maybe from my, my sort of Formula One game playing, there's been things where you can't change it on the last lap. But in real life, you can, apparently, which is, which is totally fine. Uh, so that's what they wanted to do. They were waiting for a safety car. They were waiting for something crazy to happen, a red flag. It didn't It didn't occur. They went by the rule book. The FIA, whoever gave that green light, clearly didn't understand what was going on. And that was where the, the problem sort of arose. But it certainly was nothing to do with Ocon or Alpine or the pit crew or anything to do with them. It was not, not their fault in the slightest. They're in every right to to do it. They were going to leave it to the last minute. I guess that's the strange thing that we do, we rarely see it because normally uh, you get late pit stops because people want the fastest lap, but you have to pit the lap previously because then you have to go all the way around and then start your fast lap and do it. But in this case, Ocon's not going for fastest lap. You know, Albon wasn't going for fastest lap. All he wanted to do, uh, it, Albon, uh, obviously last year, um, going into the pits and just changing the tires literally for the rules so you've done a lap on them that that's all they're they're doing there and it is in the rules so they should be fully aware that that was always going to happen 
Question from Einbinoist underscore 24. Is it really worth it waiting until the last lap to pit? Well, I kind of sort of alluded to it um, earlier in the fact that they were genuinely just rolling the dice. They were out of contention. They needed something crazy to happen. And as you can see, there was no overtake. They couldn't overtake Hulkenberg and Ocon, the, the cars behind. There was a proper DRS train. There was no overtaking happening. So that one stop was absolutely the right way to go for all the teams. And you wouldn't really think that as Baku, that, oh, you know, there's loads of opportunities to overtake. But unfortunately, it seems as though the wind didn't play a, a big enough factor. We didn't get that headwind that really allows for those big slipstream battles to occur in the four wide. Instead, we just had a very dull Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It sure was. And yeah, it was worth waiting until the last lap because, I mean, we saw it last time out in Australia. You get a red flag. Free pit stop, boom, Ocon's ninth place on the restart, uh, if they did restart it. And he's changed his tyres and he's loving life. So, of course, they were going to do that. It was always going to be the option. They, they were just gambling because no matter what lap they pitted, they were never getting all the way back through the field into, into the place they were anyway. So, there we go. Okay, we now move on to my most memorable moment. And, of course, it has to be Charles Leclerc leading for three laps. Before Rebel checked out. What a moment. You wouldn't maybe think that because of the Red Bull. I just want to clarify why I'm wearing Red Bull for those that, one, don't get the joke, or two, have not been given any context. I have powers, apparently. I don't know how to use them because they sometimes come around and sometimes don't. I haven't harnessed it like Grace did with the onesie. That's something that she just understands things and the way in which she can really uh, attack Main, mainly Charles Leclerc and his chances of championship. <laughs> You're trying uh, to get back the for the last yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, so I, I whacked on a full set of Red Bull gear. I'm talking Red Bull t-shirt, Red Bull hat, Red Bull hat on the door, Red Bull backpack. I had... I bought a Red Bull from the shop. I've got a Red Bull car, a model car of Max Verstappen right here. Like I went fully in. And nothing happened, which just shows... And it was a Red Bull 1-2. It's like you know being a Pokemon trainer and you go straight to the gym battles. You, you're just not ready. You have to train yourself up. You have to train your Pokemon up. And then we go again later in the year to potentially get that badge. That's how I'm feeling it right now. But yes, my memorable moment, Leclerc leading, even though the whole sprint weekend format made me realise going into Sunday that he had no hope in hell of winning the Grand Prix, which... You know, maybe that's just the the downside of sprint formats when you have a underdog getting pole. Is that 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 kind of mystery gets uh, un unveiled on the Saturday sprint rather than the Sunday? Whether this will be a constant problem going into Sundays every single time if we have the Red Bulls locking out the front row, I don't know. But what I do know is it wasn't a good weekend. <laughs> what we do know is Red Bull are still very much dominant and um, my word, we said it yesterday, but their DRS, did, all, all the cars struggled to to get past and we'll go into that later because I'm going to pop off. But Ooh, um, get ready, everybody. <laughs> but the, the Red Bulls had no such problem. Can we call it and, Tommy's Tantrum? Um, Tommy's Tantrum, <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, yeah, the fact that... Uh, Red Bull, I mean, even before they nearly got DRS, they looked like they were going to overtake quite easily. Um, and they just breezed by in the DRS and checked out. Um, unstoppable. Uh, they are just getting to the kind of old Mercedes uh, level that we used to have where they were just so far clear of the field, which is worrying for everyone else. Well, we thought it was going to be Verstappen unstoppable, didn't we? Until it all changed on lap 10. Nick DeVries. Nick DeVries, whatever you want to call him. Nick DeVries, yeah. Uh, question from at Piva Las Vegas or Piva Las Vegas. Everyone's saying Max was unlucky with the safety car coming after he pit, but was it bad strategy? If Red Bull let him out, stay out one more lap to see if the yellow flag turned into a safety car, would Max have won? I am of the opinion that they made a bit of a blunder there, to be honest with you. I think Red Bull was so cautious about those two fighting that they brought Max in and then committed to that decision. It wasn't, it was a 50 50 as to whether or not Nick DeVries was actually safety car worthy at that moment. If you just have a glance at it, 
perhaps you don't realize his front left steering arm's broken and that he is going to be stranded there. It was a small amount of time that they had to make the decision, but I still feel like perhaps it was a bit of a mistake, especially, you know, it's it's, it's another Red Bull car, basically. Just get on. Oh, is, is that broken? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's keep Max out. But the thing is, if Max hadn't come into the pits, Sergio genuinely had a chance to overtake him down towards turn one. He was half a second back, I think, as he was entering the DRS zone, and that would have been spicy. So perhaps Red Bull playing it cautious uh, to make sure that they don't come together like your prediction suggested. Yeah, it was. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that. That Perez, yeah, was in the DRS and ready to potentially could have even got a run on him into turn one, which would have been spicy. But so that's probably why Red Bull pulled him into the pits. But yeah, immediately backfired as soon as the safety car came out. You knew he was he was screwed. Um, so yeah, it was a bad strategy in that sense. But it would have been an even worse strategy if they'd have um, kept them out. And we'd had a repeat of Baku 2018 and they ploughed into each other. Which could have happened. Max has been a little bit (laughs) tetchy this weekend, I would have to say. A lot of comments calling George Russell a D-head, doesn't like the format. It's been, I I think Max will just look at it and go, I was literally just living and breathing and saying things and he wouldn't see it as any deeper than that. But it it was certainly um, a bit more, I would say, aggressive from Max and perhaps that that might that may have uh, unfolded today had we seen some will to will battling uh, with with him and Sergio and it genuinely could have happened Checo was as good as Max today if not slightly better once the, those positions were swapped he had the pace over his teammate which we don't tend to say all that often um, but I'm definitely of the opinion that Red Bull if we were thinking about this say Red Bull versus another team and that pit stop happened we would be calling it a blunder but I guess because it was the same team and we kind of understand that there may have been things where they're just trying to keep them away from each other, it, it makes it makes sense. Because let's not forget as well, these two, they've they've sorted things out to a degree. But Sergio Perez ain't forgetting last year anytime soon, I don't think. That kind of trust being broken doesn't get fixed overnight or in a month or in a year, in my opinion. I can... I can already, at time of writing, this hasn't happened, but I can already um, preempt a quote from Josh Verstappen being like, they've screwed Max over. Why have they pitted him and they're favoring Perez? I just, you could just see it happening, can't you? <laughs> you absolutely can. It's going to be annoying. That's just what he comes out with, though, isn't it? Very uh, outlandish statements, um, like father, like yeah, son, kind of in some ways, isn't it? Um, next question from Jamie Roelf C8. Can Sergio Perez actually challenge Max for the championship this season? Perez had better pace in the race and Max had nearly 40 laps to close a gap that was always between one and a half to three seconds and never caught him. And a similar thing happened in Jeddah. It's a very good question, Jamie, and and one that coming into the season, I don't think myself nor Tommy would have said Perez could challenge for the championship realistically if we're if we're removing ridiculously bad reliability we're both putting our eggs in max verstappen's basket however if we turn our attentions back to this time last year sergio perez had a very similar start to the season where he was on the pace with max if not slightly quicker at times and there was a a point in time where max was just trying to get the right setup for the car which eventually he got and then was trouncing perez uh, sort of uh, towards the end of the season or at least you know the mid part so i still don't think perez can probably challenge for the championship some people including you tommy are mentioning potentially a rosberg uh, Hamilton scenario where Verstappen could have a, a couple of DNFs and that may well give the championship to Perez. And that's still a possibility. But if we remove that, I still think Verstappen is going to have more consistency over a year. Yeah, in a straight championship fight, if we take reliability out of it, um, yeah, I can't see Sergio Perez beating Max over a, a season. Um, you know, there'd need to be another... 30 street races for that to happen but um <laughs> but but no in all seriousness um Perez drove a drove a great race and yeah similar to Jeddah uh he got got into that uh position through a bit of you know uh, max uh misfortune but then normally on maybe other circuits we've seen max close in and pass him and it's been fine but max couldn't couldn't catch him in this situation and and Perez just held his own um 
there is very much a thing in the back of my mind that uh, a Rosberg situation could happen. I mean, we've spoken about how clear Red Bull are of the field. It is, it is really very much like that Mercedes era where they're getting one, two every single race, uh, barring any kind of issues. So you've got to think that Sergio Perez, you know, even if he's 40, uh, 40 odd points behind with two races to go, they're finishing one, two, every race. Max has two DNFs in the, in the final races. Perez wins them both. He's world champion. So never say never. We, we can tell we're really clutching at straws here. We're going, <laughs> well, look, if there's some DNFs, anything can happen at the final race. But, but that is legitimately a thing that can happen when you have a two-horse race where reliability can sway it so much because they're yeah. always going to finish one, two. You know, Verstappen started 15th in um, in Jeddah and still finished second. Um We've had, you know, Rosberg that season, for example, you know, completely messed up it, it, one of his starts, went all the way to the back and he still finished second. And um, that just shows that you, you're there to pick up uh, the pieces and, and reliability can make uh, even more of a difference uh, than when it's a close title fight with other cars. 05 asks the question, was making the DRS zone shorter a mistake? It's, this is such a difficult one because Baku is a very windy place. And if the wind blows in the right direction, then the DRS zone can become, or the DRS, yeah, using the DRS can be either incredibly helpful or hardly beneficial at all. It really depends if the wind is pushing the cars down the straight and then DRS is much less effective, or the drivers are driving into a massive gust of wind, and then all of a sudden the driver behind with slipstream and DRS is going a million mile an hour quicker than the car ahead. So I'm going to give them a bit of leniency here in, in the fact that they've based it on previous times potentially where it's been unbelievably chaotic, especially after a safety car. Of course, no DRS used then, but still slipstream. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's a really hard one. I don't think necessarily it's where the race fell away because there wasn't... I don't know. It's difficult because we had a DRS train, so then that would suggest maybe the DRS zone wasn't long enough. But then, as I say, that could easily have been very But then is it causing different. a DRS train? It's Yeah. yeah. It, the DRS zone, I do not envy the person that has to pick the DRS zones because you can very easily shorten them and it looks terrible and you get no overtaking and you're like an idiot or you just get really boring overtakes. I mean, let's just throw a scenario into the mix that they'd shorten the DRS zone like they'd done and somehow Leclerc had managed to stay ahead of both Red Bulls because the DRS wasn't powerful enough uh, and it made for a really exciting race, then it would look like the best decision in the world. But the reality is the Red Bulls are so quick. This is a problem like every... Not it's not just like every race is different and you can't predict it. It's also the fact that um, every car's different. So you, you saw like the Red Bulls breezed past the, the Ferrari, but Hamilton, with their lack of drag, uh, sorry, 
with their drag, like, couldn't get past. With their lack of drag. <laughs> they have too much drag. Ba- basically, basically, Hamilton couldn't pass a Ferrari at all, um, whereas the Red Bulls could fly by. So it's just it's just car dependent. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Absolutely. Next question from at ArgBMF. Thoughts on having DRS enabled if you are outside of one and a half seconds instead of within one? Just a thought experiment. No. I don't think so. I think that the more we do that, the more we then rely on DRS. And if anything, Formula One should be trying to head towards not having DRS at all, then relying on it more and going, oh, we're having great racing. And now we've just got DRS trains where it's a second and a half between each car rather than a second. So for me, I completely disagree with this. I think that we should stick with one and hope to God that the racing gets better and better and better as the years go on and then we can get rid of it. That's the ideal. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to change anything because DRS is there to help overtaking, is to help having wheel-to-wheel action and to get some excitement. If we have one and a half second DRSs, that's not only trying to help the wheel-to-wheel action, but also trying to artificially keep them as close as possible. But I don't think it would actually enable more racing racing because we've seen DRS trains anyway. Yeah, this this question is almost like, the perfect example of how the new regulations have absolutely fallen off a cliff that we're now having this conversation of does DRS need to be even better? The whole point of these new regs was actually to potentially even get rid of DRS completely. And now we're going, oh, we need 1.5 seconds. Um, yeah, for me, that race, um, let me just cough because I'm, I'm, I need to cough before I have this rant. Hold on. This is going to be a big old rant. Oh, wow. He's taken a swig of water as well, clearing his throat. Tommy's tantrum is up next. Okay. So the new regulations, yeah. Um, For me, that was the perfect showcase of how they've absolutely, they've gone completely the wrong way of what they were hoping for. Um, They've raised the right height of the cars and that's now meant that there's less emphasis on the floor, which was the whole point of the new regs. Uh, and we've gone back to, I, I, I cannot believe I just witnessed 50 laps of a car that hadn't changed their tires yet. And Baku of all circuits, no one could overtake them. It's an absolute joke, really. Um, and it just shows that the regulations have gone backwards. They're not, it, it's not worked. Um, the fact that they've changed the floor again, um, not only uh, has it made Red Bull even more dominant, I think the worst problem is that at least when Mercedes were dominating or other teams dominating, you could actually battle and there were overtakes on track. And for it, it was so disappointing to see the whole grid not be able to follow each other. Uh, which was the whole point of what the regulations were meant to do. You go back to the start of 2022 and we were lauding how great it was that you're in DRS and then you can stay in DRS and you can battle back past. And it was amazing. And um, I don't think it's unfair to say, uh, you know, I'm not just jumping on this because it's happened in one race. We've seen that all season and a lot of drivers have spoken about it, that it's gone back to how it was before where we can't overtake again and we can't follow and uh, that is incredibly disappointing. Thomas Tantrum, everybody. Episode one. No, I, I'm <laughs> I'm in complete agreement. It, it but it's it's kind of snuck up on us where the, the cars haven't they don't look any different. No, they don't look different. When you actually look back to last year, uh, uh, Saudi was a great example of. Uh, it was Verstappen versus Leclerc. You had the two cars um, fast in different sections of the circuit, but they could still follow close enough that you would get laps on laps of battling, of them being able to stay within a few tenths of a second, and it was absolutely scintillating action. And yet drivers have said this year already that it is harder to follow. So we've got we've literally just, just stuck it in reverse but in a very quiet manner where porpoising's gone to a degree. I don't think we really moaning about porpoising at all, but with that has gone the close racing, 
which is the only reason we've really changed the rules to what they are now. We finally got Red Bull versus Mercedes in 2021. They were on a level playing field. We changed the regs to help racing. And we're now already in such a dire situation in 2023 where one team has figured it out and everyone else can't pass each other. Yeah. And the start, but the, but the thing is, the start of 2020 would, uh, 2022 was so good. It's not like we've just gone into a new regulation and Red Bull have been masked over the field. We had half a season of Red Bull and Ferrari being close, lots of passing. And, you know, even if Red Bull, I don't want it, but even if Red Bull were clear of the field. I do. At I, least, I want it, as you can see with my, <laughs> my Red Bull attire. Yeah, at least give us, at least let us have the other teams battling because they're all really close. There's nothing, that race proved there's absolutely nothing really separating Ferrari, Aston Martin and Mercedes because they were all all around doing the same lap times. And that could, in theory, be incredibly exciting battle for the final spot on the podium. But the reality is they can't even pass even when there's a massive DRS zone in the longest straight in Formula 1 with a huge slipstream. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's very, very concerning. And we're going into, you know, we've gone into this weekend and Formula One are like, oh, sprints, uh, should we do this? Let's have a vote on this. Uh, and my biggest takeaway from this weekend is they're focusing on completely the wrong thing about Formula One. Uh, and it should be that the new regulations have completely beeped the bed at the moment beeped rather the than bed. the fact that... Um, <laughs> self-censoring um rather than uh yeah uh rather than worrying about how they need to do a format change because um if we had the racing we did last year uh at the start of last year you know not even just it wasn't even just because ferrari and red bull were close look at the two alpines battling in saudi and i think there was that bit in austria wasn't there where you had six cars from different teams and you never seen formula one cars run that closely together and uh, this season, um, this season, I, do, I genuinely don't think, and you can shout to me all you like because I support Max Verstappen, but I, I don't think the biggest problem here with this season is that Red Bull are dominating. The biggest problem is that, that the regulations are overtaking is going backwards again. That is a saucy take. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure some <laughs> people will agree, some people will disagree, but um yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting when you look at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and when they, a, a great example of that uh, whole, uh, the regulations not working anymore is that middle sector and the amount of time drivers would lose following another car. The only car that managed to keep close was the Red Bull because they are so clear and perhaps are actually quite good behind cars as well, which when you look back to the Mercedes domination, the one thing they weren't good at was following other cars because it was always built to be in fresh air. So Red Bull are absolutely clear in, in both uh, regards, it seems. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I don't know what they're going to do because they can't bring back porpoising. That's already been spoken about in terms of how dangerous that is and, and the, the reliance of, on ground effect. So what do you do? Spec series. That's what Esteban Ocon said in our podcast. I mean, <laughs> just saying. I mean, since they if we go back to this time last year and Hamilton had that porpoising issue and it was like right we need to change the, the car change and you know, there's car. a famous change your effing car the, the famous bit from Drive to Survive since they've introduced that new rule which uh, Mercedes were campaigning for to help have Red Bull not won every single race bar two maybe that's I think depressing since halfway through 2022 Red Bull have got even further ahead uh, and this is this is again the argument of changing rules to make to slow rebel down. You could have the opposite problem, uh, which is exactly what's happened uh, of them being even further. Yeah, ahead. it felt like Mercedes were Wonderful. in that <laughs> kind of backs up against the wall where they were slow in twenty two. They were thinking, right? Well, it must be the porpoising. It must be these regulate. We all raise our cars. Hopefully, they're thinking we'll be closer to Red Bull. And it's kind of gone the other way and it's, it's, it's not worked out for them. So it was almost like a roll of the dice. It's not worked out and um, they really going to have to go back to the drawing board. Will they come back, come out with their, when will they come out with their B-spec car? Uh, it's, it's yet to be seen. Um, but yes, this, this whole season needs a little bit of a rejig, a bit of a, a bit of a spice up, please. Just anything. Yeah. Give everyone the Red Bull. 
<laughs> there you go, spec series, boom. Okay, let's move on. Well, not all the way from Red Bull, because uh, there's a question from Smukunga. Has De Vries ruined his reputation already, and do you think he can fix it before the end of the season? So, of course, De Vries driving for another Red Bull team, Alpha Tauri, and his start to the 2023 campaign has been pretty diabolical, if we're being... Uh, very ruthless with our opinions here. Once again... I think being kind still is diabolical. (laughs) Uh, And and I said it from the start, and I'm not going to gloat, although I am, um, is that a lot of people had these very high expectations of him from one race. One race where on one side you can go, yes, he just jumped into the car and he performed incredibly. But sometimes that can work really well for someone that you don't have that whole build up to a season, the pressure, the media, everything sort of just completely zoomed in on you. Whereas now that's exactly what he has. He has that pressure. He's in the Red Bull uh, second team. He'll have Helmut Marco looking over him. He knows what the previous <laughs> yeah. uh, drivers that have gone before him, where they've ended up and how their careers have ended. So whether, maybe it's just a, a stroke of bad luck and he will pick it up, but to not be one really on pace with Sonoda, but two be making these mistakes as well. If he continues this into the middle of the season, I firmly believe he will be secured out the door because that's the way Red Bull work. They're ruthless. If you don't perform, you don't belong in Formula One in their eyes. No, and you've got Iwasa doing very well in Formula Two. You've got Liam Lawson doing well in Super Formula. They've got Red Bull junior drivers waiting in the wings and uh, De Vries, I don't think it's unfair to say that he has quite comfortably been the worst driver of the season so far. Um, he's not only been slow, but he's also making errors. Um, and did he not bin it in qualifying and the race? Yep. Like, doesn't get much worse than that, does it? So, um, yeah, he needs to turn his season around quickly. And this is where the team will be looking at him. Can he pick himself up? Can he ignore the Matt and Tommy's of this world saying that he's washed and really pick himself up, get that confidence back and drive like he did at Monza in the Williams. It's, it's yet to be seen. Mm. It's, it'll be harsh for me to say, no, he cannot. There's only been what four races so far this year, but he's going to have to pick up quick time. He's got, thankfully for him, he's back again, racing in Miami next, next weekend. We've got four races in five weeks coming up. There's plenty of time for him to pick it up and work it out. But I think if we are at the end of this five-race streak and he's still making mistakes, still not scoring points, questions will be asked very, very quickly in that camp. Um, So for his sake, I hope he figures it out. Because as I said in Funniest Tweets, he is a Formula E world champion. He is a Formula 2 champion. He knows how to race. He's just got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out very quickly. Um, So yes, we move on now. To another question, Ensign Ricky says, do you think Alonso was actually trying to help Lance with the brake suggestion or felt threatened and gave him a setting he knew may mess him up? They were pretty close at the beginning and really wanted to put a car between him and Lance. No, I don't for a second believe Fernando was trying to give essentially his teammate a banana skin. Do you, Tommy, you take away your answer. Go on, you go. It's Fernando Alonso though, isn't it? I, I, uh, it's tricky because yeah, I'm, I'm at first I think, yeah. And then I also think it's Fernando Alonso and he's a devious, he's a devious man. And, uh, he, he, his brain works like no other formula one driver. He is always thinking about things, you know, I, I think any other driver that that situation happens in, I'd be like, no, absolutely not. He's trying to help, because um, you know he towed he towed Lance in uh, in qualifying, didn't he? And he he does genuinely look like he's uh, you know trying to maybe change the reputation that he had of like being this uh, you know not team player and all this kind of stuff. But the fact that yeah, Lance is within catching distance of him. And he's gone. Uh, firstly, he went on the radio, didn't he? And said, "He can come past me if he wants. Why not? Go on, give it a go." I, that whole and then team gone, radio by the way, exchange also... was so weird, wasn't it? <laughs> Where Lance was like, "I'm not going to attack him," and Fernando goes, "Oh no, he can have a go if he wants." Is there anything more Fernando Alonso as well this year? That this is the first race of the season. He's not been on the podium. Uh, Aston Martin pretty anonymous throughout the weekend. 
And when you actually look at the highlights from the weekend and the silly things that are happening, it's probably, you know, Alonso. Is is Alonso dating Taylor Swift? Alonso doing this break magic thing. Like he is just the main character of Formula One right now. And, and the main character in your heart and he's as well. Absolutely loving like, it. I can tell that you're, you're lapped up in all of this. You're, you're, you, you I just love it. love it. Honestly, I just don't ever want him to retire because stuff like this is just—it's just hilarious. He just makes the sport entertaining. He does. I think he is—he's spot on with what he said in Drive to Survive, where he's like Formula One needs anti-heroes and don't whatever. Taylor Swift. It's, it's great. No, wait, he did, did he say, say that, the word anti-hero. Incredible. Um, he said anti-hero. My, yeah thoughts are no i do not think for a second that alonso tried to screw over lance stroll because he would have to explain why he gave that break suggestion it's i think it's more just coincidence and the fact that maybe lance did try this this break thing and, and it, didn't it didn't suit him. him drivers like different things they like different brake biases and so on so it may well just have been a case of Lance trying it, didn't work out for him, made a mistake, and we're all blowing it up like Fernando Alonso is 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 kind of screwing it over his teammate, who he wasn't even under threat from him. I'm pretty sure that Lance wasn't directly behind him anyway at that point, was he? I think he was one Not car that behind point, no. uh, that. Yeah. So, no, I, I'm giving Fernando Alonso benefit of the doubt for sure. <laughs> okay, we now move on to biggest winner. Tommy, take it away. Sergio Perez. Hard to, <laughs> hard to argue against it. He's uh, won both the races, uh, won the sprint, and um, yeah, closed into uh, Max Verstappen. Absolutely crazy to think that Sergio Perez has uh, every single Red Bull victory has been on a street track, uh, and, have, and not even just the same street track, various different street tracks. You know, one at Saudi, one at Singapore, one at Baku. Um, crazy. But yeah, it's, it's hard to argue against biggest winner being the winner of both races. Oh, you went for the, the obvious one. That's a boring, really annoying. One, yeah. I am going to say Lando Norris. I feel as though they've taken a step forward, McLaren. They're definitely on the right path, considering where they were in round one. Lando was best of the rest, which unfortunately now is ninth rather than seventh. It's ninth, yeah. Because um, of Aston Martin's huge um, uproar uh, this this season. But I think Lando had a, had a great weekend. He got, obviously got stuck in that zero stop train, but still maximised what he could uh, and got a couple of points. So for me, yeah, Lando, Lando gets my biggest winner because I can't go for Sergio Perez because that's boring because we can't go for the same thing. We now go to biggest loser. For me, Carlos Sainz. That man has had an absolute anonymous weekend. Uh, when we're actually comparing it to where Charles Leclerc was, it, it was a big gap. He said himself didn't feel comfortable in the car. If he did, it may have been three to five tenths or whatever, but it, it just wasn't. And 24 seconds these off. Are, these are the was. moments. I'm not saying Charles Leclerc could have won the race because he, he couldn't, right? But those are the moments where you need a rear gunner. You need someone to get in the mix to cause problems, to do a little George Russell, whoops-a-daisy side pod problem. I'm saying that's a joke. We don't want any George Russell side pod problems. But <laughs> you need Carlos Sainz there as the second Ferrari to help fend off something, right? To, to at least cause a few problems for Red Bull, get them sc scratching their heads. But he just wasn't there, unfortunately. So it's, again, the same story as last year where Sainz just isn't, on Leclerc's level at the start of the year, whether this will change as we move on, potentially. But for me, he's definitely one of the biggest losers. Um, I'm not going to be boring then, even though the biggest loser is probably Nick DeVries, not just because he finished last, but because he was We've bidding it all the time. Him. And I'm going to yeah, okay. I'm going to say Alpine. They had an absolute shocker. Um, Gasly, uh, they, you know, his car blew up, they fixed it, he binned it. Um, didn't do anything in the sprint. Uh, they seemed quite slow. Ocon, nothing he could do. Started from the pit lane, tried something new. Um, you know, shocker for Alpine. Uh, really, really poor weekend. And uh, team still, please invite us to your factory because it's not our jinxing that we interview a driver and then they have an absolute shocking race. We, we thought promise. for a second that Ocon was going to get disqualified <laughs> because he'd forgotten to pit on the last lap for his mandatory pit stop. But thankfully he did. Well, I say mm. thankfully, he almost ran over people. But that's the FIA's problem mm. um, and fault. But yeah, the fact that if he got disqualified after he sees us, that would 
yeah, we'd probably never yeah. have an interview ever again. But um, but yeah, it was a shocker for, for Alpine as well. Um, let's move on now to reflecting on how our predictions did that we made on Thursday mm. and released uh, over on YouTube and on audio. Uh, let's start with biggest good surprise. My one was Alex Alban. No, mm. not enough. He didn't get so any points. annoying. He finished ninth yeah, in the sprint. Yeah, because he was quick. He was quick. And he qualified well. Qualified he? well. Just such a great guy. Looks like half a point, but I just... <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's, no, it's zero. Can't, can't Fair enough. No Fair points. enough. And Tommy, yours? Uh, Don't, biggest good no. surprise. Yeah. No? We're not getting a point for Sonoda? Sonoda. Oh, it's tough because he... This is a this is a week now. We've got two races. We're almost both right here because he was really good in that he qualified incredibly well mm. uh, for the main race and had a, a great race and got and got points and was right on the back of Lando Norris. Yeah, so it's kind I think of it is a point yes. because he scored a point. But then I think also, <laughs> and, you, and you know, I'm going to give you a point for the next <laughs> okay, one. So you get a point for biggest good surprise for Sonoda. Well done. We now go to biggest flop. My one is Sonoda. And I think I also deserve a point because he yeah. had a stinker at the start of practice, which, to be fair, wasn't his fault. Um, uh, uh, was it? No. Yes. Was it? I can't remember. Yeah, no. Yeah, he he, he no, was himself. Yeah. Yeah, so he did yeah. that. He then had a bit of contact with his teammate and then yeeted into the wall in the sprint. I think... He got incredibly unlucky with that red flag, didn't he, Before the in the sprint quali as well, where... He was literally about to cross yeah. the line, and they were like, "No, you're not allowed. To, you're, you're Matt's biggest flop. You're not it. allowed like, to I think score. we need to also kind of clarify that biggest flop doesn't necessarily mean just a terrible drive. It's just like a floppy yeah, weekend, yeah. right? Like it just yeah, it wasn't exactly. particularly um, non-floppy. Um, so yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be the single biggest flop. Otherwise, yeah. we'll never score a point because you have a one in twenty exactly. chance. What whatever, a boring so. way that would be. And yours, Tommy? Yeah, uh, Aston no. Martin. Uh, no, I really thought this was going to come in big when their DRS was completely failing and mm. looked like they were probably the fourth best team. Alonso but finished under a I second behind Al Leclerc. Alonso finishing, yeah, Alonso finishing under a second behind Leclerc and almost getting P3 again. He'd have absolutely taken that with how his weekend was going I at wouldn't. the start. So, yeah. I wouldn't have taken it, Tommy, <laughs> as a Red Bull fan. Um, you know, I feel sorry for the Ferrari fans out there. Uh, mm. <laughs> pole position. Right, let's bask in the glory wow. of this prediction because, my God. And, Tommy, I want to bring up something you said. I went for Charles Leclerc. Yeah. So do you want to explain what you said to me? I think it was over on Twitch. Yes. Um, I think you said in the predictions that, by the way, I'm definitely taking a point if either of them come true. And I said yes. And I'd actually argue that, it's so left field to go for anyone other than a Red Bull that I'm going to give you two points because he, he polled it in both. So that fair was, play. Yeah. I think you, you need to be rewarded for going for someone other than a Red Bull and getting it right. Outrageously so. right as well. With, with two of the qualifying yeah, sessions, yeah. him getting pole in both of them is, is quite something. Thank you for the two points, Tommy. I really appreciate that. Your pole position was You're therefore wrong. Verstappen. Yeah. Zero. Wrong. Wow. Who would have thought that? Couldn't even get half a point that it was in another sprint or something. And you laughed at me when I said, hear me out, Charles Leclerc, didn't you? You laughed <laughs> at me. And who's laughing now? <laughs> well, you still, but I mean, still, yeah, he beat Leclerc yeah. in the race. Okay, we now go to sprint winner. I went for Verstappen, which is a big fat zero. Tommy. I went for Perez, which I get a that's, point. That's Good solid times. from you. Did you think it would unfold the way it did? Uh, no. Uh, I think I said that Perez would just maybe get ahead of Verstappen at the start uh, and they just kind of finish the race in that order. Uh, and uh, instead, uh, Perez actually, yeah, out-qualified uh, Verstappen in the sprint shootout. And uh, yeah, maximum points for Perez. Lovely stuff. Impressive yeah, to be stuff. fair, yeah, maximum points. He didn't get fastest lap. Oh, not, well, but, not yeah, fastest lap. Yeah, still a very big haul for, for Sergio Perez. Uh, we now go to my top three. I went for Alonso Perez Leclerc. Of course, this is for the main race. Uh, we didn't know at the time whether there was going to be a uh, a second race, a sprint race. So, um, oh no, a sprint quali. I'm, I'm chatting absolute rubbish. My, my top three. This is for the main race. Let's ignore what I just said the last ten seconds. Yeah, uh, Alonso Perez Leclerc. <laughs> so I get one point because Leclerc point. finished third. Yeah, Tommy, your top three. <laughs> Hamilton Leclerc Russell. That went well. Um, 
No, I think I think think we should get a point each for. Um, <laughs> we we did our prediction was that we'd jinx this and have the worst Formula One race of all time, and it definitely. If anything, is up I there, think we so. should get a minus um, point for causing whatever the hell that Azerbaijan Grand Prix was. That was all. Yeah, our we're fault. sorry, everyone. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, for going cr- crazy. Oh, it's going to be so crazy! It's a sprint at Baku. It's going to be absolutely mad, and so much is going to happen. And uh, nothing sorry. happened. Okay, so one point for me, no points for you, Tommy. And our f- one crazy prediction. I went for final lap battle for the win. Right, now let me... Uh, sorry, final lap battle for the win. Hear me out. Absolutely not. Technically, <laughs> technically... There was there a was, graphic at the end. Technically, Perez and Verstappen were racing in first and second. There was always a battle for the win. So I said this at the beginning with a big loophole in the fact that the only way this wouldn't happen is if there was only one car finishing. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Because technically, there's, there's always, always a battle. battle for no, it's fine. I won't yeah. take it. Zero points. And Tommy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Red Bull double DNF and they finish one two, so it literally couldn't have been. Yeah, any don't say worse. that ever again. I want you to predict a Red Bull one two from now on, okay? And then the opposite will yeah, happen. Okay. okay. I'll do it next race. There you go. That is somehow the Azerbaijan Grand Prix podcast. We got through it. Um, well done, Tommy. That, we did it. that was hopefully the worst race of the season, and we only have good vibes and good action and good chaos and good. Bit of controversy as well along the way. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be. What are your final thoughts? Oh, my final <laughs> thoughts are at least we have Formula One race next week um, to enjoy. <laughs> Even if it's Miami. Uh, hopefully. It is Miami. Um, please provide a banger. Um, but at least we yeah, at least we've got uh, a week. I think I think that whole weekend, I think it hurt more the fact that we'd waited a month for it. And it just didn't didn't deliver. Maybe that's why we're so negative. But you know, we'll be we'll be bringing the positive vibes uh, for the next race. Matt will be predicting. You hear me out. Charles Leclerc's going to win. All that good stuff. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I can do <laughs> like, that. It's like that would never no, happen. My heart, I don't think my heart can do it. We'll see. We'll see how we repair over the next few days. Um, we'll be doing our F1 to 10 driver ratings as a podcast tomorrow. So be sure to check that out. Uh, and we'll see you very soon. My final thoughts are, I just checked the Miami weather and there's absolutely no rain forecast and it's 29 degrees and sunny. So no changeable conditions, but hopefully a banging race. It can't be any worse than what we've just experienced. Have a lovely few days and we'll see you back, well, tomorrow actually for F1 to 10 and much more content as you all know. Bye! Bye! P1 is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.